and that's why you're laughing. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Agency Nation Radio. And as you heard Marty pull us in, he is with me as well. Absolutely. Howdy, everybody, and uh, welcome, Ryan, to another uh, thrill-charged episode. Thrill-charged, yes, that's... That's, that's what this is. Thrill charged. Well, I want to thank everyone who has been um, reaching out about the show. We've gotten tons of great feedback. It's been excellent. So glad you guys are enjoying it. Uh, and, and we love doing the show, and I hope that comes through hey, for you. Hey, I, I want to I um, make one comment here. I actually got a comment from somebody who said he binge listened. Binge listened. So I thought yeah. that was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, I think I saw that too. Very, very cool. So I just want to say thank you to everyone. Um, you know, we're available on iTunes and Stitcher and basically anywhere that you can listen to a podcast. You can always come to Agency Nation and listen to the show uh, right from a blog post. Uh, and we're now on Google Play as well. So wherever you listen to your podcasts, uh, we're there. And we're glad that you're making this show part of what you do because we enjoy doing it uh, so much. It's it's tons of fun. And, and just having these this, – this venue – I don't know about you, Marty, but this venue provides at least me – I think like you can, it almost pulls out thoughts. Like we get into conversations and, you know, you start to connect some dots that maybe just sitting on your own, you wouldn't connect. And then some of the stuff that we talk about here ends up becoming, you know, Facebook live shows or blog posts or other things that we do. Uh, and it is, it's like a, it's like a cathartic release in some, in, uh, in some extents. Yeah. Um, Fodder it, for further pontification. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. We need to, someone create a quote graphic with Mark and Marty's face with that on it. Um, all right, but let's get into the, uh, the meat and potatoes of the show here. So first article that I found this week, uh, we don't spend too much time on it, but I just think it's really interesting, uh, how, uh, carriers are starting to address the sharing economy. And in, in uh, particular, I found an article talking about how Allstate is now, now has an extension on their homeowners policies, or uh, I'm assuming all their property policies, but in this case, it was talking about home, for people who offer up their residence to Airbnb. So for those of you who aren't familiar, Airbnb is essentially an application similar to Uber in that it's kind of sharing economy-ish. Uh, and you can go on and rent someone's home or rent someone's apartment or condo or in some cases just a room in their home or their apartment or their basement, whatever, um, for oftentimes much less than you would uh, a hotel room. And Airbnb has taken off. It is causing, is definitely causing ripples in in the hotel space, uh, just like Uber has done in the t- in the taxi space, and uh, it's it's very interesting. Um, Allstate now has a product called Host Advantage. It's available in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Michigan, Tennessee, and Utah, and they're adding more states in 2017. So it's kind of just in beta phase or just testing this out. You can tell. And it's called Host Advantage. It's and it's a rider that you add on to your homeowner's policy for about fifty bucks, and it essentially provides coverage under the homeowner's policy for the the fact that you now are selling your home as a rental for a week, a couple of days, what have you, on Airbnb. What do you think about this, man? 
Uh, well, a couple of things. Um, you don't have to sell. You know, you, you don't have to vacate the home entirely. Some people just rent out a room, or they might have a mother-in-law suite or something like that. That they uh, so they continue to stay there. Other people are doing this um, as a way to get more uh, use out of or fund a second home. Uh, other people do it with their primary residence. Um, you know, for, for sporting events, um, we're going to be hosting the, um, Super Bowl at some point here in Minneapolis in our brand new, uh, football stadium. And my next door neighbor told me that she wants to rent out her house. Um, and she's going to come in and cook dinner for everybody. So, you know, it, it's clearly something that's here to stay. It also clearly creates an exposure that many people don't know that they have. Um, what do I think about Allstate getting into the game? I think it's fantastic. Um, I would prefer that it was an IA channel carrier. Um, Allstate, but maybe, Allstate is an IA yeah, channel I, carrier. Yes, I know that, but I don't know if they're releasing this through their uh, through their IA affiliates or just through their direct channel. We can only hope that they are yes. uh, being unbiased to their yeah. IA friends. So the, 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 the best thing I think that uh, that – that we can say about this is that um, when a major carrier goes in, suddenly the visibility goes up. So, um, you know, whether or not this is available to um, independent agents, this specific product, you can be sure that now that Allstate has dipped their toe in the water, that uh, other carriers who might not have been prone to looking at it um, there will be some discussions around uh, around conference room tables saying, hmm, I wonder if we need to get into this marketplace. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see uh, how um, this impacts loss ratio and, and now that you have these additional exposures and certainly having people in your home uh, presents an additional risk. One of the things about Airbnb is that it is not anonymous. So if you rent someone's home and you trash it, that person uh, can kind of flag you and, you know, so there is an accountability. It's kind of like Uber, right? If you get an Uber driver and that driver does a terrible job, you leave them a one-star rating, that impacts uh, whether or not they get future pickups. So there is, is it a perfect system? Absolutely not. Um, but there is an accountability feature built in. So I do think, I do think, uh, you know, so if I was thinking about using uh, Airbnb, uh, on a regular basis, if that was something that was part of my life, it's not. Uh, $50 over the course of the year, to me, is like a no-brainer. Just just to provide that extra layer. And, and really, um, in looking into this a little bit, what you get is uh, some additional theft coverage, it looks like. It extends uh, all the special form coverages uh, to your home, being that it also now has become a business uh, temporarily. So, so and liability, right? yeah, and liability. You- so, so yeah. So, I, I think if you're an Airbnb user and you can't get coverage under your current policy, does it make you think twice? I think if you're a serious Airbnb, someone, someone who uses it, who who offers up their residence often through Airbnb, I think this provides um, provides Allstate an advantage. At least gives them a good marketing tool. It shows that they're thinking forward. And I say good for them for looking at what's actually happening in the world and and presenting at least a first-generation solution. Will this rider in its current form be what 
ends up being the industry standard, like say um, uh, uh, sewer backup and some pump coverages today, you know, uh, who, who knows? But I do like that they've kind of taken on uh, this this uh, concern that homeowners have who use Airbnb and provide a solution. So I think that's so. Good. Let me let me ask let me ask this question because yep. I honestly don't know the answer to this. Um, so if I was going to be an Airbnb user, I was going to uh, rent or, or 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 acquire hotel space, so to speak, um, for a trip. Could I ask for evidence of insurance and get something akin to a certificate from a personal policy? I mean, you could. I don't know why. You know, I I mean, it's not evidence of property insurance, right? Because I don't care about that. So it would be an interesting question. So let's say, and again, there are, I am, there, there are much more, uh, much, much much more people with much more expertise insurance in t- yeah. the insurance geekdom of this question. Uh, maybe Bill Wilson's listening. He probably knows the answer, like right off the top of his head. Um, uh, so if you if you're the renter and you go in and you cause, let's say it's a condo and you cause the fire, fire spreads to the condo above you or below you or next to you, what have you. So now there is damage outside of the two parties involved in in the in the contract right so in the airbnb contract there is now damage to a third party whose insurance responds first the homeowner's policy for the home that was the renter or the homeowners or the rentee or the homeowner's policy of the renter or you know what i mean so yeah does my homeowner's policy if i go to your house marty and and i have a throw a big party as an airbnb and I burn your house down and it spreads to your neighbor, which one of our policies responds first? That's an interesting question. And as an Airbnb user, are you thinking about, do they have homeowners? You know, <laughs> it's an interesting question, not one we're going to solve. No, neither it, one of us. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's in the policy form, right? Yeah. And, and I know Airbnb I- and some of these others, uh, they mentioned HomeAway. There's a couple other of these uh, services. It's kind of like Uber where there is this, blanket almost like umbrella style coverage that sits over yeah. all of this as well you know how that gets involved um, well my, my guess is uh that similar to uber it's probably excess of anything else that's out yeah. there right yeah so they're looking for somebody else to pick up the bill or else their insurance bills four bazillion dollars yeah so if, okay, i think uh, the moral of this story is it's good to work in insurance law um so you- <laughs> Exactly. Get involved in these. You got a six month case and a lot of billable hours. So, all right. Well, I just, I don't want to spend too much time on that. I thought it was really interesting. I love to see, like you said, uh, a big major carrier, the big major brand stepping out in front. Um, I'm hoping that Allstate is extending this to uh, their IA friends, as um, there are quite a few of them uh, who write for Allstate. And uh, I just think it's good, and, and I'm sure we'll see more of this in the future. I, I'm positive Allstate won't be the last, and and there's just so many of these sharing economy kind of internet of thing type risks that are coming down the pipe, um, and it'll just be it'll just be interesting to see how the carriers start to cover them. And I'm sure. And, and if we've got anybody out there who has access to this policy form or can uh, address, you know, how do, how do you advise customers? 
uh, of their risks when they are participating in these uh, services, uh, give us a shout and we'll make sure we communicate that out to the rest of the listening uh, audience. Cool. Cool. Okay. So I want to move on to the next thing. So I get Emily Hewling's newsletter. Emily is absolutely fantastic. She's one of my favorite people and she is one of the best sales and leadership trainers um, and, and consultants in our industry. And if you haven't had the pleasure of seeing her speak or, or interacting with her, uh, then you are missing out. There's absolutely no and, doubt. And she is a human dynamo. Yes. Yeah. She has more energy. If you can believe this, you double me and Marty. So you, you clone us and then you put us all together and we still wouldn't have as much energy as she has. Um, and she actually, and, and you know, very few people know this, I credit Emily as being the person who got me into the speaking industry. She cold called really? me. Yes. Wow. Six years ago, Emily Hewling calls me on the phone. I pick up the phone. I'm sitting at my desk. I had been writing on the internet for a while. And she calls me and says, uh, you don't know me, but I've been reading your blog post for a while. And you need to start speaking more. And that's how she started the conversation. And we spent the, we were on the phone for an hour that day. And, uh, and she's been a mentor for me for a long time. And a couple times a year, I call her and we just have chats. And, and it's been a phenomenal so, thing for me. So in other words, I have her to blame for all this. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so for all, the, all of you who get sick of hearing me all the time, it's, it's Emily's fault. But uh, no, so phenomenal person, phenomenal thinker in this space. And she came up with, um, she came up with on her blog and you can get there by sellingstrategies.com. So it's www.sellingstrategies.com. And this post in particular that I'm referencing is called 17 terrific tips when visiting clients. And I also recommend you subscribe to her newsletter, which has a lot more in it. This is just one little piece that was in it. There's a lot of good stuff in there. But she said, she, she wrote this post, and one particular strategy, uh, number 14, and I'm gonna read it to you, that this one got a ton of pushback from people. And I wanna break this down, Marty, because I don't think people will necessarily believe where you and I both sit on this topic. So this is number 14 of her 17 terrific tips when visiting clients. She says, using an iPad or other device to take notes is not recommended. It interferes with the conversation since your attention is focused on the screen and typing. If using an iPad or tablet to run a presentation, turn off all alerts. Marty, yeah. do you agree that you should not take notes, not use the technology piece here when visiting a client? That's a great question, uh, and I, I come down on on both sides of the issue, but I'll, I'll give you um, my personal experience. So, um, early early in 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 my uh, youth, well, my my dad was a some of you know was a career military officer, and he was in, a, a teacher, right? So he was a professor, and um, so he had a typewriter and was a touch typist. And so very early in my scholastic career, I was not given an option. I was told I would learn typing. So I went to summer school one, one uh, summer and took the typing course. And then when I graduated from high school, I actually received an electric typewriter as my graduation gift because it was going to be the key to my success in college. 
<laughs> but uh, so I'm a, I'm a pretty good touch typist. I think you you would admit that, Ryan. And um, you know, I can type without looking at the keyboard and all that kind of stuff. I also obviously computer geek, and uh, so I ended up with one of the very first laptop PCs that could effectively run uh, Windows 3.1. Before you go and, any further, I have yeah. to comment on this. Yeah. The fact that being a typist, like, that's such a foreign concept today. Like, if you can't type on a computer, you can barely, like, you can you can actually barely function in today's business world. Like, it, it just, I know, I remember, like, when I, you know, and, and I'm, you know, I, so you were, this is way before me, right, that you're talking about, but, like, when I got to high school, you had, there was like two semesters of typing that you had to do. And today, like, it's just weird the way it's going, right? The kids just all, it's all on the screen and like typing. It's just, it's such a, it's not yeah, being they, able to type today. Like the it, idea of that is so foreign. You it just, would be, it would be almost, it would be almost as bad as not being able to read, right? I mean, yeah. now what they've done is they've actually, they've, you know, changed the, the, the terminology. It's called keyboarding skills, right? Yeah. Not typing. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, to, to, to that point, my dad got his start doing that when he first, uh, uh, when he was first in the military, he was a typist, uh, for an intelligence unit, right. Or the precursor to the, uh, to the, uh, CIA DIA. So, Long story short, um, it was called the Office of Strategic Services OSS back then. But anyway, I got this PC that was capable of running Windows 3.1, and I bought, uh, at the time, a uh, commercial um, Accord application software so that I could do exactly what Emily is referring to. I could sit with my prospect and fill out the forms, Okay. After doing it once or twice, what I realized was it was an absolute critical impediment to the sales process. I was so absorbed in the form and trying to capture the information that the relationship between myself and the prospective client was completely severed, okay? And so I am a firm believer that Anything that gets in the way of you being able to interact with that prospect while you're there or a client, either way, um, is absolutely to be avoided at all costs. Now, I will, you know, so that's the one side of me. So practical experience um, has, has indicated to me that it is a tremendous impediment and should be avoided at all costs. The idealist in me believes that there's got to be a way that we can make it work in a way that's unobtrusive and that doesn't impair the building of that relationship during that critical time. I haven't seen that software come out yet. Yeah. So I am 100% in agreement with Emily on this and, and, and you as well. The, we tried the iPad at the Murray Group four or five years ago. <clears throat> it, the novelty of it is nice. I think that presenting um, a, a, an introductory presentation or a presentation about the office, or if you want to show a video about the office or your work or testimonials from other clients, I think those are actually fantastic uses for the device. Capturing information while you're talking to someone is like, I don't care about you. I just care about the information we're getting. 100% believe that. It Again, my feelings have always been, and anyone who, who, who listens to this show or any of really our work, Marty knows, that 
We believe technology is a tool for introduction, for facilitating access and availability, and for expediting um, communications between agencies and and carriers. But and for and for one section of developing a relationship. Yep. There's yeah. no question about yeah, that. Yeah, the introduction piece. But when it gets down to what differentiates us, right? And and you know, all state coming up with a host advantage policy, great. Is that a is that a is that a clear um, advantage of that policy versus any other similar homeowner's policy? Yes. But does it really decommoditize the homeowner's product? No. What how is homeowner's insurance not a commodity? Because of the human beings that sell the product. As soon as you take and you stick an iPad in between you and your client and you say, I'm less in I'm less interested in forming a relationship with you and more interested in extracting data from you that I can stuff into this machine, it severs, you used the word perfectly, it severs that relationship and uh, it really is, uh, again, to use another word to use, an impediment, it, it, just, it just is, it just slows the whole thing down. Now, I will say, how do you make this work? You ask that question. Here's how you make this work. You ask someone from your office to sit in the room with you. You have the conversation with the person. And as they give you the answers that you're extracting from them, they're putting them in the machine if you need to do that. I actually think that's a phenomenal way to go. Um, uh, and for a few of the larger accounts at the Murray Group, we actually did that. We had uh, someone else from the office come in and just, you know, because there's so many moving parts to a large commercial account. And it just made sense to have someone else capturing the data so that we could talk through what their policies were and you know, we're talking about these were larger accounts we did this, but I think if you really wanted to, you could do this for, for personal policies. I mean, there's a lot of ways that you could do it, but the person who is building the relationship, that there can't be anything in between you. Um, that doesn't always mean face-to-face. -face. That can mean over the phone. It can mean all these different things, right? But you never want the technology to get in the way of the relationship. And uh, as Emily describes here, um, if you're so focused on getting the notes into the into the iPad that you're not building that connection, then it is, and and you need to stop that. Probably the only time we will ever be against technology on this podcast. Well, you know, it's technology for technology's sake is is bad. It's not a good thing. Technology should and either enhance should enhance the customer experience. It should make you more available. Uh, give people more access to you. It should make the process faster if, 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 it, if it needs that. Um, but to just have the flashy thing to have the flashy thing is, is not actually going to help your business. Well, and, and ultimately, I think, you know, my, my sort of rationale for doing it uh, in my failed experiment was it was going to make me so much more efficient because I was going to get the work done while I was with the client not have to go back to the office and get and do all that extra work, right? Yeah. And so what was happening was I was putting my needs ahead of the needs of my prospective customer. Not good. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I, I think uh, I highly recommend Emily's work. Uh, she is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, big, big fan of hers here uh, at Agency Nation and Agency Nation Radio. And, I, and definitely check this post out. And just, and just think, think before you use technology. Technology can be amazing. I'm a huge, I'm very into what technology can do to improve our businesses, but we just we gotta be smart about it, you know, and understand what the goal is. The goal is to build the relationship. 
<laughs> if the technology's getting in the way of that, you're missing the point. So, okay. I think we all, we beat that up. Check out uh, sellingstrategies.com. That's Evelyn's website. Tons of great material. Uh, she's got DVDs. She's got all kinds of cool stuff. And, uh, and she's got this great blog here, 17 Terrific Tips When Visiting Clients. And if you're out on the road and you are lucky enough to be at a venue where Emily is speaking. Oh, check it out. Make sure you get into the audience. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. Okay. So let's, uh, I want to move on to uh, some marketing stuff. I want to talk about some marketing stuff and a great blog post on convincingconvert.com. And this, the title of this post is 10 marketing tips from, uh, I think he's missing the word, the father of marketing, David Ogilvy. So, so as always, as always, just throwing this out there, as always, links to this stuff is going to be in the show notes. Yeah. So uh, go to agencynation.com forward slash podcast. If you haven't yet, check out our new design. It's completely gangster. Uh, but you'll see our podcast directory. This is episode number 26, I think, of, of the podcast. And uh, you'll get all this. Uh, you'll get all these links if you want them. 26. That's like one half year at one per week. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're doing all right. I mean, for a while, we were going like every other week. And then we've had some sporadicness. But uh, basically, we've been dialed in for a while now on every week. And, and in the future, that's what it's going to be, just so everyone knows. Uh, we'll have a new episode every episode out every week, um, and I've been toying with the idea of adding a second, shorter interview-based podcast to the Agency Nation family of media. We have about seventeen projects going on right now, so I don't know if that will happen this summer. That may be a fall thing, but um, I'd really like to get some some outside perspective. I don't think it fits necessarily what we're trying to do here, but like some consistent interviews with industry people and people outside the industry who can add value and maybe like a shorter format, like a 15 to 20 minute kind of interview style. That's, I've been toying with that idea. Um, but for this show, for, uh, for, for, for Marty and Ryan um, puke all things insurance, sales, marketing, and technology, uh, we work it's going to be weekly and it will continue to be uh the format that it is okay as as somebody once said rainbow vomit <laughs> no uh what is it unicorns <laughs> unicorn sliding on rainbow vomit um don't read that post because then everyone will hate me uh all right so let's uh let's talk about this so basically what the author did of this blog post was they took uh, david ogilvy um big time advertising guy like basically the father of the mad men style uh, advertising and copywriting, uh, really brilliant guy when it comes to this stuff. One of the more successful advertising, uh, copywriting guys in history. Um, and he's got a great book, Confessions of an Advertising Man. And just if you're into the, the, the geeky side of, uh, advertising, he is, he, uh, he's definitely a guy to read his work. Um, and, uh, and, and, and kind of follow along with what his career was. So, what this author did was they pulled out some quotes from David Ogilvy, and I thought it was I thought some of them had a really good context in terms of how they apply to the insurance industry. So um, we're not going to go through all ten. I don't want to take up that much time, but there were a couple that I thought that I thought were really 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 poignant to to what we talk about here. So the first one uh, is actually number seven. Image means personality. Products like people have personalities and they can make 
or break them in the marketplace. So the reason I wanted to pull this one out first is because one of the major pieces of pushback that um, that you know I've always gotten that we all kind of have in the back of our minds when we think about marketing insurance is that it is not sexy, right? It's not it's not designer shoes, it's not hats and or t-shirts or uh, sports cars. It's a piece of paper. It's a contract. Really, it's not even a physical thing that you get anymore, right? Most carriers have um, have e-delivery, so it's like a PDF if you want to print it out. Uh, so really, it's just this, you sign a piece of paper or e-sign something, and you have this thing, you hope, uh, that you have this contract. And my point in pulling this one out is that even though our product isn't sexy, it still has a personality. And one of the reasons that I believe people push back on insurance so much, right? Like so many people have this, it's the negative perception isn't just, you know, that when they get, you know, they pay these premiums, and never use them, or when they use them, the companies don't pay. I think those are common. And I think that's almost like the vocal minority. I, I think it's that people are just so confused by the product and the person, we've never given the product a real personality. We've never focused on building out what this thing is and because of that the marketplace the people who buy this insurance buyers insurance consumers have been just incredibly confused and it's so and because it doesn't have a personality it's so easy for these negative perceptions to spread what what do you think about that marty wow um this is a deep one you know because I think that some of the creative insurance marketers out there are trying to create a personality, right? So um, love her or hate her, Flo um, is sort of the, uh, you know, the the helpful uh, clerk from the downtown neighborhood store. I think that's interesting because we know that the primary audience that we talk to in these podcasts is that friendly clerk from the store downtown, right? And I don't use clerk in a in a negative way there. You're, you're the friendly face. And that's what they're trying to create with flow, right? Then you look at the Allstate uh, Mayhem commercials, and what you realize is they're trying to personify not so much their agents or their services, but they're trying to personify the bad things that happen in your life and and look at them in a somewhat humorous way, but but to remind you that those things are always out there and that you need to be protected by them. So one of the challenges we have, I think, is because, you know, to your point, it's insurance is an amorphous thing. It used to be a big fat pack of paper that now many times we don't even see, right? You, as you said, you get a PDF in your email and that's it gets stashed away somewhere, stored in a nice little spot on your hard drive or in the cloud and you don't you don't see it, you don't think about it. So because it's because it it doesn't really have physical form, it's not that uh, sexy piece of, of sheet metal sitting out on the driveway, we don't know how to classify it. And and because the Allstate policy seems to be identical to the progressive policy, seems to be identical to, you know, name your insurance company ABC here. We don't know how to take that personality and attach it to each of those things. And so they all become commingled because it's, you know, when I see a Ford, I know it's a Ford. Now, I may not know that model specifically, but I see the little blue oval and I know it's a Ford. 
I look at a can of soft drinks and I know what it is because the can is green or it's blue or it's red. I love when I put something on a tee for you and you knock it out of the park. It's like it's like it's like Duke when I'm teaching him how to hit a baseball, right? Um, so, a hundred percent, one hundred percent, right? So this is the this is what I'm this is the the point that I'm trying to make here is that we as human beings have to take on the personality of the product that we're selling because the thing doesn't exist, right? It doesn't. It's a contract. It's in space. It's like. It's like trying to describe to someone for the first time what air is, right? There's this stuff that you breathe and it keeps you alive, but you can't see it and you can't touch it and you can't smell it, right? It's like, this is what the insurance policy is. And, what, and, and exactly like you said, love or hate flow, an entire generation of insurance buyers have understood what the progressive contract, what they stand for, who they are because of her, because they have built this personality around their product and they got the box right and they try it with different stuff right they, there's no like one size fits all so the, so the the really good marketing companies the companies that understand that they have to market to continue to grow have these different personalities so um there's flow there's also the box right the progressive box that talks uh geico there's the gecko there's the cavemen there was the frogs right there was uh Ah, oh, man, they've had another one, too, and I can't remember what it was. Oh, the pig, the screaming pig. Um, well, now know, they got Tarzan. Tarzan, yeah. So there's, there's all these all these different characters are not just marketing gimmicks, right? Mayhem. There's, um, there's Mayhem, and then uh, there's, the president, uh, there's the president there the, from 24. Um, uh, you're, in, you're in good hands, right? He's got the voice, oh, the perfect yeah, yeah. voice for it. These are all ways to create a physical manifestation of a thing that doesn't, that people can't touch and feel and like feel really great about. But if they connect to one of those personalities, and that's what they're trying to do, um, that's what all these companies are trying to do. They're trying to create a personality that a certain subset of the insurance buying population that they want to write connects to and grabs onto and says, I'm able to hold on to this thing, or I connect with this personality, right? Or, man, I'd love to meet that mayhem guy in, per in person. And, and any of the hardcore insurance peeps out there are going, none of that matters. It should be about my, my coverage skills and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, no, no, it's not about your coverage skills. It's never been about your coverage skills. It's never been about that. It's always been about you, the person. Do they like you and do they trust you? And your coverage skills may play a role in someone trusting you, absolutely. But it's not the whole package, right? People, and, and this goes back into what we were talking about before, it's, and, and I'm way up on my soapbox here, but I just so believe in this, it, it is insurance, the thing is commoditized. It's the people that, that, that remove that. It's the people that decommoditize the product. So when you're a big, direct, or captive the way that you decommoditize your product is to create these national branded personalities. When you're an independent insurance agent, you do that by, by using your people, your producers, your, your receptionists, your CSRs, your, 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 your principals, whoever else, to personalize your agency and the products you sell in your local community. And it works the exact same way. Independent agencies can do exactly what Progressive and Allstate and State Farm and Geico are doing in their respective markets. They can do that. 
And really, they have to because that's what people are buying. And um, and you know what? I'm not going to go through any of the rest of these. I actually may, for in a future episode, pull this back out. Uh, we've been talking for a while I, here. I, I just I want I want I want to clarify one thing you said, or else I'm going to be permanently disbarred from my professional society. Okay, and that is Ryan did not mean to say that insurance policies are commodities, and we recognize that there are monstrously big differences yes, between they are policies. in the eyes of the consumer. That is yes. correct. Okay. So, and, okay, and the, I do apologize for that. Yes. I do apologize for that because, because I'm, I'm well aware I was a CIC for a while. And, um, though some of my, some of my intrinsic knowledge has faded over the past few years. Uh, I do really appreciate the differences in insurance policies and insurance carriers, but in the eyes of our consumers, the people who buy the product, which is what actually matters to them, it is a commodity. It is on us to, to, it is our, our responsibility to them to make sure that they have that, that we understand the differences and suit those differences to the consumer. But the consumers in making their buying decisions, they really just don't care. At the risk, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, um, I don't think you will be as successful as you could be in the insurance game if you lead off your presentation or your attempt to persuade a prospect to you by focusing on policy differences. If that's what you lead with, you are going to lose them quickly because their belief system is it's all the same. I don't know what the heck I'm getting. All I, I, I hope that when I give somebody some money that something shows up, should I have a should I have a covered loss? You need to start from the perception that that's their belief system. And if you can if you can relate to them at that level first, then you can open the window to begin to educate them on all of the, the differences that actually exist. But if you go in with that, you're, you're, you're fighting the tide. There's just there. You just can't deal with it because yeah. they, they don't want to hear it. Yeah, because at, the, at that point, at that point, it hasn't yet been established to them why they should care. We have to establish why they should care about the coverage because now I'm not saying all consumers, right? There are going to be educated consumers. There are going to be consumers who've had losses before. There are going to be consumers who are just as geeky about finance and, and all that kind of stuff as we are. And for those reasons, they will come into the equation with a different mindset, but the vast vast majority of consumers, insurance buyers, who are good clients, who will pay their premiums on time, who we want to have in the independent agency channel, so many of them will not care about coverage at first, right? They may care about price. They may care about relationship. Those are probably the two big ones. And then from there, we take them into, and here's the things that we do for you. And we could talk about this all day. And to be honest with you, I want to wrap it up here. I actually think the next episode, I want to talk about why leading with price is a good idea. There's a teaser for you. Why leading with price is a good idea. Okay, with that, we're going to get out of here. I want to give one quick shout out to the Alabama Young Agents and the Alabama State Association. Uh, Their agency management face-off event is happening at the end of July. Uh, We are not, uh, we are involved in this insofar as we are live streaming it. So Agency Nation is uh, helping out. We're going to be there 
and we're going to live stream it. So anybody, if you can't get to Pensacola, Florida, to the Young Agents of Alabama event in July, which uh, I don't blame you, although it is beautiful, um, if you can't make it, you will still be able to watch the live event uh, when it happens Friday, July 29th, uh, 10 a.m. Central Time. Go to agencynation.com forward slash AMS faceoff. AMF, AMS is in Sam, faceoff, all one word. And, um, and you can register, and then that way you'll just get pinged with a notification when we go live, and you can come in and watch and leave comments and, and have it going in the background and listen to uh, some of the top agency management systems in the country uh, kind of pitch you their system, and it'll be fun. It's, you know, it's not going to be combative. It's going to be a fun thing. We're making it kind of this face-off idea, but uh, it's going to be a fun thing. Everyone who's coming in understands that it's all in good nature, and really, it's just about kind of educating our industry about what the options are, what tools are available available in these systems today, and how if you don't have an agency management system yet, which I know there, I know agencies that don't have one yet, or uh, you're thinking about making a change, whether that means upgrading or downgrading or, or more like uh, upsizing or downsizing, uh, not necessarily downgrading, um, that there are options available to you in the market and... Uh, and I want to thank uh, Boyd McGee, the head of the Young Agents Chair for National, for spearheading this, and his entire Alabama Young Agents Committee for, for making this event possible and, and just for inviting us and, and letting us be part of it in our small way. So uh, with that, Marty, we're going we're gonna to get out of here. Let's say goodbye.